You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Paul Hemming from C-Link interviews experts on how SME developers and contractors can transform their business through intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode number 37 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming and Liam Curley. How's everything going today, Liam? It's great. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> what? What's so good? Well, I said that last time you were shocked, so I thought I'd I know, but it's yeah, it shocks me every time. You now you only say it when we sit down once a week in the Under Build podcast. Is everything? This, is this it? This is the precipice of your week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the best bit of my week. Certainly, working week. Yeah, half an hour in a room with me. It is pretty good. I, I get, I get where you're coming from, Liam. Yeah, sure. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just in a great place right now, Paul. And you, it looks like you are as well. I'm always in a great place when when we're here and we're joined by such a great guest. So today, our episode is titled "Applying 3D Visualization as an SME," and we're joined by Piers Mulroney, who is strategic planning and policy manager at view city which is a software that helps people organize and visualize city data in the clearest way welcome to the show Piers. hi nice to meet you both how you doing you well i'm very good thank you very good excited how's your working week been going been very busy um we've, we're active in about 25 cities around the uk um so we just launched actually in dublin maybe a couple of months ago now so we've been working with Dublin City Council so it's our first kind of international uh, move across so trying to work out how the Irish planning system works. Um, Have you got any trips there? Sadly not yet but I'm very excited for a trip to the Guinness Brewery Tour. So, Oh uh, I've been there it's great fun very very good. It's, it's top of the to-do list I'm sure after a visit to the council. And the Jameson's distillery you should go to as well just go and yeah. drink. Just that's the idea is to do a do a client bar crawl when we get a chance. So you're uh, doing all the uh, the big attractions, of council, Guinness <laughs> Battery, council top of the list. <laughs> council's most important planning system, and then bar crawl One of, <laughs> in, in that order. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So we've had a chat offline, uh, Piers, and from what I can tell, you've had a really interesting career to date in that you've worked in many different areas of property and construction. You worked at Lendley, so contractor side, you've worked at Countryside, and you also worked at Datcha UK, which is, I guess, kind of prop tech and really interesting stuff. So give us and give the listeners a bit of an introduction to yourself. Yeah, so my, my current role at City is strategic planning and policy manager. Um, so my background is actually land and planning. So um, I was kind of lucky enough to start. I started kind of 18, 19 working in um, real estate in London. So I was working with Savills when I was at uni studying geography. I then did a master's in, in real estate, which I didn't know was a real thing until I did it. Apparently, you can get a master's in real estate. And then I started as a, a grad in Lemley's, which is kind of a big global development company, big Australian development urban regeneration specialist. And got fascinated by how we create, you know, the best possible developments in, in our cities and, and it tackle issues like the housing crisis. From that, I then did move into Countryside, which is a major UK listed house builder that specialise actually in partnership development. So what that means is they tend to build in joint ventures with um, local authorities and housing associations. So they deliver really high levels of affordable housing. 
in the kind of point partnership model. So the council bring the land, countryside bring the expertise, they develop the scheme in partnership and deliver really nice big housing projects around London. So I was involved in their land and new business team for about two years, securing uh, new uh, joint venture opportunities around London and the southeast, specialising in large scale housing uh, projects. I then then had a year off, ended up travelling, living in a van in Australia. Uh, so I had my quarter life crisis. Um, <laughs> I it. I'd recommend it to anyone who hasn't done it. Have have a year off and do that. That's a different episode podcast, which we'll, um, we'll cover on the side. Which, so if if you ever get bored of development, property development, construction, I'd always recommend living in a van. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I was overseas, I was kind of getting different, looking at what I do with my career. And I at that point, I was experienced in kind of property development. But I was fascinated by the idea of technology and innovation, as I think a lot of people are. And I was getting uh, um, various kind of discussions with different innovators and disruptors in the real estate space. Dacia was a Swedish prop tech. They had a really interesting offer. They were just launching in the UK at the time, doing stuff around data analytics and big data. And so I joined them actually doing kind of business business development, helping them launch in, in kind of finding UK customers. After about nine months of that, I actually swapped then into View City, but into View City to do a much more kind of account management role. So I work with our authorities. So View City is, is a 3D visualization platform used in the planning process. And uh, my role within uh, View City was to basically help um, local government and authorities adopt this technology into the planning system. So using it at pre-app going through into committee. So they wanted someone with a background in, in planning and development just because um, obviously, planning development is, is sensitive politically. Um, it's an area I'm passionate about is, is how we bring in innovation into the planning system. How do we make the planning system engaging to actually tackle the issues that our cities face? And so my job is, is really to kind of work with authorities and cities around the UK and now Ireland. Go to Dublin. To try and go to the Guinness Brewery. Try and engage people in planning. If we have to engage people by doing consultations on a bar crawl, then so be it. Let's um, do it. Let's do whatever, it. Whatever gets people excited about planning, which <laughs> is a really hard subject to get people interested in, um, I think it is made boring on purpose. We, we will try to do. So my job is to try and get people excited about using technology and planning and work with the government to, to do that. Well, everyone should be excited about using technology, right? Especially to move things forward. It's amazing the career that you've had to date, considering you're so young, you seem to have done so much already. So at View City, obviously, we're going to be talking about 3D visualization as part of this episode. So tell us, can you describe how View City is innovating in property? Yeah, so I mean, the principle of 3D visualization is, is pretty simple. The, the logic is, is 3D makes things visually engaging. We all walk around, understand the world by looking at space. We're real visual learners. That's how we tend to engage. And the challenge is basically how do we help people understand what is you know 2D drawings and, and plans and also understand spaces that they haven't been. So maybe, you know, even when you're looking at an apartment online, you know, space you can't necessarily go to or access. How do we help you feel that experience? And, and the way you do it is you put it into a 3D world. Now, lots of different companies are doing different aspects of 3D. So some people are doing things like the apartment scan. So you have companies like Matterport doing the scans of actual premises. And that's that's one element of 3D. Another element is BIM. So in the kind of construction technology world, so you get companies like 3D Repo who are actually designing space in terms of how, you know, the fixtures and fittings fit together, how you actually construct a building. Where View City really innovates is the city-wide context. So what we're creating is large-scale city models that are accurate to about 15 centimeters that sit in video game software, which then, the you know, best way to understand it is it's like a really accurate version of SimCity. 
So if anyone <laughs> played video games as a kid, we've done exactly that. We've made it suitable for adults and professional planners to use. To You've got Liam's attention instantly. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's I'm in. <laughs> it's, it's basically a video game to assess, you know, new buildings, new proposals in, in your local areas to help decision makers, but also in public consultation, understand the scheme as it is. So View City is, is effectively the market leader in 3D visualization of, of cities around the UK. And now we've launched internationally. So we're one of the kind of front running prop tech companies coming out of, of the UK at the moment. And um, that's why we wanted to talk to you, Pierce, because it's in, interesting stuff. And I read an interesting article that you wrote on the London Real Estate Forum earlier this year. I think you wrote it in March, which was titled, What If We Could Build Trust and Transparency in Planning? And I wanted to talk about that with you. Can you explain what compelled you to write that piece? Yeah, it was a combination of my 10 years of experience and a lot of statistics I was reading with the new planning white paper that came out, which I think no one listening to this will be surprised to think that nobody trusts developers, nobody trusts property developers, (laughs) and they don't trust planning. Um, The same way in the UK, we don't trust politicians. I think property professionals fall slightly behind politicians in trust at the moment. So the the honest answer is, is sadly, that is the case in state of affairs in our cities, that we don't trust the decision makers within the property sector, so the developers, but then also the politicians who are making those decisions on our behalf to act in our interest. And the big passionate plea to it was, what if we actually could trust people to act in our interest? And one of the ways that you can trust people to act in your interest is to understand that they know what they're looking at and you have also can understand and review what they're looking at. Part of what we're saying there is, how do we simplify the planning system, which makes it engaging and accessible to everyone, no matter what your experience and understanding? Um, we've done exercises at View City, working with school children, showing them 3D models. A school child can tell you if a building looks big or small. So, it, you know, from the age of five or six, irrelevant of your educational background, you can assess a building. You know, we all experience space from a very early age. We're all capable of understanding space from a very early age. Therefore, everyone has a right to comment on what space looks like. And I think sadly in planning, a lot of the time people don't feel like the system is accessible to them, whether or not there is public consultation going on that they can access. But then also they don't then feel confident enough that when they do comment, what they do is actually listen to. It's more seen as a a question of getting through the process and not true engagement in consultation. It's seen as this is what we're doing and we're just looking for you to not complain too much about it. So that was the principle of, of the article is to say, you know, in this new world of technology and innovation and accessibility, if we make all this information accessible to people and help them understand it in a visually engaging way, hypothetically, could you then trust people to build what they're going to say, build what is needed in your area and, and understand what they're going to build and ask them the good challenging questions at an early enough stage where you get positive change for, for everyone. So, so when you talk about trust, and you talk about people in this context, what you're actually saying is, I'm a neighbor to a nearby development that's going on. I, I am the person that cannot trust what that looks like. And I can't even visualize it effectively because it's just 2D drawings. So what View City gives you, am I right in saying this, is among other things, of course, gives the opportunity for a developer to show the 3D visualization, allows people to actually genuinely comprehend exactly what is happening and therefore diffuses the neighborly conversation 
that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is so it's that inclusiveness is what we, we go for. But the other aspect is actually, does the developer understand what the architect's doing? Because there's this whole professional tier that exists, which actually, you know, same with the contractor. Does the contractor understand what they're being asked to build? Uh, and there's a huge, you know, whether, you know, the, the public are a whole different scale, but you have, you know, trained engineers and architects and developers and investors who are trying to understand these buildings and proposals and value them. And they don't tend to really fully understand them. So actually, there's a massive case for within the industry. And a lot of a lot of UCT actually is mainly used within the industry to share on projects to help project teams understand or investors understand what they're looking at. What is the, you know, what does a new big building in Reading look like? What does a new building in Leeds look like? And it actually is a, a tool that is useful for experienced trained professionals as well as the public. So it's about inclusivity. And also, you know, a lot of people are scared to ask the stupid question. But when you're looking at drawing, sometimes you'll be like, I don't understand how that is going to look. I can't visualize it. Not all of us are that way engaged. That's not how we all like to learn and process information. It's definitely something that I struggled with um, during my career is, is technically converting a 2D drawing in my mind into how it was actually then going to be built, how you're going to procure, et cetera, et cetera. So that totally resonates. I didn't think for a minute that that was where the conversation was i thought the conversation was more in the development side than on the construction side but that does make perfect sense about it can help both sides it can really help you in construction and it can help serious professionals more quickly comprehend a build and it is it's a negotiation you know a lot of these deals are are big commercial deals and they involve a lot of money and, and trying to interest and attract investors um, if you're looking at, you know, um, uh, climate change, for example, and all the pressure on people to make sustainable buildings, what does a sustainable city really look like? A way to help people buy into that vision of a sustainable future is to show them what it looks like. Just what you could say someone like David Attenborough does really well. He shows you the impact of climate change. And the point is, is when you visualize something, it finally makes sense. You understand the concept or the challenge that people are trying to tackle by visualizing it. So that, that's the kind of principle. Have you got? Have you gone through that process where you've where you've seen or you've you've visualised what a sustainable city looks like in the future? Is that something? Is that some of the conversations that you've been involved in? We bit yes, yeah, so we've been involved in really interesting conversations. And one of the fascinating ones is, for example, if you have a model of a whole city, you can work out where you can put solar panels on every building, so you can work out which roofs. And we've got a daylight sunlight tool which can do kind of twenty four seven, three hundred sixty and um, four days of the year checking. Daylight, sun, daylight sunlight so we could hypothetically work out how much energy you could generate from building rooftop space so you know it, it is really you know the best way to look at it is it's combining gaming technology with real world problems in a city scale um and that's why you know the smart city space is so exciting because when you combine that data and the visuals and the analysis using kind of gaming software you get some really interesting outputs that can actually drive um, massive uh, changes in in terms of decision making. Genuine change. Yeah, amazing. Yes. If I was just going to ask, if if there was like one typical customer uh, for you guys, who who would that be? We we tend to have clients across the whole range, so it tends to be anyone from the local authorities through to developers, through to architects, through to landscape visual impact consultants. We just provide the third party model. And then the whole sector basically subscribe to our model. The, the difference, the, the real value in what we do, we don't really have a typical customer. We take that third party visualization away from people and we provide the accuracy. 
and that's that's where the kind of from from our kind of brand is 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 we're stopping people having a debate around the model and you know my model is more accurate than your model and we're taking it and saying you're all using the same model we'll keep it up to date you do your debate around our technology and we will stay agnostic so all the stakeholders have access to the model they all have their own access and they can customize and edit it on their own versions of the license like you would save a video game they each have access to the open world video game and they just create their own stories and projects and then when they want to share it with each other they share the, pro- the story they want to sell with um, other stakeholders using our, our platform it's a really nice way of putting it actually isn't it and th- there's so many other things to discuss and we will discuss all of those other things guys right after this break Own the Build is brought to you from our sponsor, C-Link. Software used by developers and main contractors to manage subcontract procurement in one place. Find subcontractors, automate tenders and contracts, control construction program, compare prices, and improve project profitability with C-Link. To find out more, head to c-link.com. Now back to the show. So, Piers, the government's planning white paper, there was one in 2020 and there's another one being released in 2021. So imminently, um, I think it's in autumn 2021. How does it talk about 3D visualisation or does it? So what, what we're referring to is, is the new planning bill that's coming out. So there was a planning for the future white paper that came out last year. Uh, apologies to any of the viewers who are I bore with talking about policy. Uh, there we it's, go. It's effectively it's it's a it's a part of my job that I think most people hate. But it's you definitely that, want to go to the council first when you go to Dublin, don't you? That yeah, in the first port call. Definitely go for policy. But basically, to put it into into famous terms for everyone, the government is trying to reform the UK planning system um, quite substantially, and that'll have huge implications for things like when you make decisions on planning applications, what the rules are for things like permitted development a new potential infrastructure levy, which will cover things and, and affect things like the contribution of affordable housing. So there's lots that's going to be in the planning bill. So they're drafting the planning bill at the moment, and then it will be debated in Parliament. Unsurprisingly, as it was launched in 2020, there was a lot of reference to technology and how we can bring technology into the planning system. So obviously, a part of that refers to engaging the public better. So a big element of the white paper was about this absence of trust within the planning system and the fact that if you look at situations like the housing crisis, even something that, you know, like COVID, the impact of COVID on how we use space is absolutely massive and not to be underestimated. If you talk about some of the living conditions people were living in in COVID were just not suitable for human habitation because of the way that we build our cities and we were building flats. They weren't meant to be occupied and worked in 24-7 and, and nobody could claim that they designed them to do that. And therefore, a lot of the space wasn't fit for purpose and has changed based on COVID. And you also have things like, for example, the future of the high street with the amount of online shopping and the big rise in logistics centres. So a lot of the planning system clearly hasn't quite worked and isn't delivering what we as citizens need in the UK in terms of uh, affordable housing 
and spaces and good spaces to work. Also from that, the other argument is, is it's we need more sustainable buildings to tackle the climate emergency. So planning as a, as a system has to reform. Now, this means that they want to encourage development and change, but they also want to do it in a way that is inclusive. Um, a massive element of that is how you consult the public really early on something like a, a local plan. So just to give everyone the context of how long a local plan can take at the moment, it can take up to seven years. So if you imagine to build, even to build 100 homes in your local area, to allocate that land and get it through the local plan process with all the consultations, to then buy the site, to then immediately build the homes, to go and have someone living in that home, will probably take about 10 years from start to finish. Without any problems in construction. Without, without yeah. anything going wrong, that is That's just crazy. how the UK system works. Now, if anyone it doesn't take a genius to work out that 10 years to build 100 homes might explain part of the systemic problem in, in housing. One of the big <laughs> complex issues, yeah. it's an easy one to look at, is to say, could we potentially build a house quicker than 10 years? Crazy, isn't it? Now, you know, if you get the pop-up tent, you can set up a tent, which hypothetically is shelter in 60 seconds. So we're trying to aim between 60 seconds for a tent and 10 years for a house. And if we land somewhere in the middle, we'll be going somewhere to tackle an issue. So the aspect of that is is inclusive engagement. So what the government's trying to do is obviously reduce down seven years to three years. Now that requires an incredible amount of consultation. Now, if you imagine the amount of consultation and time for consultation that was fitted into seven years now being condensed in three years is how do you take a system that has already seemed to be not that effective at engaging the public and reduce the time scale that people have to engage the public and build trust at the same time? The obvious answer is technology. Put it in front of people on their smartphones, put it in front of people on their way to work, give it Give people a right to consult, create, you know, apps for local authorities so you know what's being built in your area. Do the stuff that engages people in planning and puts it in front of them where you can get responses in three years as opposed to seven years. 3D visualization is a massive component of that. So as opposed to having to host urban rooms and consultations in person, how much content, and this is all about content creation, how much content can we put from a planning perspective in front of people? which does mean how would you explain how a local plan is made by a two-minute YouTube clip because that's how we all consume content now. We don't we don't sit and listen to the head of planning in um, Wolf Forest talk for three hours on their local plan. We, Speak we've for yourself. The two minute, I personally still do watch them for three hours. <laughs> local plan. Um, I was going to say, Piers, go on, you're not fooling like, anyone, mate. Yeah, I am. I am the one that sits and listens. But, <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's the challenge. That's, I'm, I'm well aware of how much of a loser I am. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the dangerous part. But um, so so the goal is, is, is can we create engaging content? 3D visualization is a massive element of that, which means the government is pushing hard for 3D visualization to be part of the planning system. So we're already seeing it come into pre-app in a number. So we work with um, 30 of the 33 authorities in London using View City and the planning process in London. So when you go in for a pre-app consultation now, you'll probably ask to provide a 3D model. Now pre-app is basically when you go in to say, hypothetically, can I build this? And that's where they really want to talk about density. And density doesn't necessarily just mean a tall building. Density just means how big a block you're looking at. But it's really easy if they can assess that on day one before they've done any further work. It's a very quick way of going, yes, no, does this scheme work? Um, and doing that in a visual way makes it really easy to tell someone, look, I don't like it or look, that doesn't look right. Or um, that could be better. Sorry. No, sorry. Sorry. It's it, it's it's interesting because before before you go on, I just wanted to come back to the pre-app and the fact that it's now coming into more and more 
boroughs in London and other councils, I guess, that 3D visualization as part of the pre-app is important. Is that on big schemes or is that on, generally speaking, all schemes? It's, gen it's generally on bigger schemes at the moment. Now, what you're going to see as the technology becomes more and more accessible is it becomes easier, easier and cheaper for SME enterprises to use that technology. Now, the benefit for an SME is if you can help the council understand what your vision is really quickly at a really low cost to you, that will then de-risk your scheme massively and it will take away a lot of the risk. And therefore, being able to have those discussions early, even when you're looking at you know, automatic th things like, for example, but by using the technology and visualization, if you, say, import a extension onto a building and you have digitized effectively the policy layers to see what the restrictions are or the strategic viewing corridors, as long as you comply with all of that, and the computer says that you comply and your model is good, you can go and instruct an architect to build that extension to your house. Really? Because it will, well, hypothetically that would work. So the idea is, 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 is visually it all matches up and they're happy that it aligns with all the digital policy layers. Then why could you not then just take that design, give it to a construction firm, they do it. And then you check that they've built it in the way that the model was initially agreed in the meeting. And the same if you're looking at now 3D printing and things like that, you can take models and then 3D print. So there is an argument on SMEs as to, at the moment, yeah, the reason that it is only on major applications is because the technology is reasonably more expensive and it takes people to run it and whatever. But, I mean, we've all seen the pace of change in technology, even in COVID and, and things like that. Technology most moves so quickly now in terms of jumping forward and being able to do things that it's not unrealistic that you'll see more 3D visualization. So for example, um, everyone's smartphones and the new kind of iPhones or whatever have the ability to scan a building. So you can create a 3D model using an app. If you download the Matterport or one of the other apps to download a 3D space, you can turn your house into a 3D model. That previously would have taken someone who knew how to use 3D design software. They can now do that automatically. So yeah, that's one of the most interesting aspects is is how it does then start to the concepts of this technology then apply to the SME developers because you can do it. So the challenge is basically is is what do you say to your politicians is well I want to engage in 3D, so I want you to show me something in 3D. So there's no reason why if you say to the authority, well, I want to know what I can build on my house, they should not then be able to show you that and they should say to you, this is the space you could occupy and these are the constraints. And they should be able to visually explain those constraints to you in an engaging way. And that's the idea is showing people the policy to help people understand that. So, Is that where it could end up then? Could it end up that you have this 3D visualization of cities or of anywhere where you have the planning restrictions built into the model so that you, people could see, oh, if I, I can do this and there's no problem because there's a 3D visualization of it. So so we're already there in places like London with the strategic viewing corridors. So there's, there's skyscrapers and towers that are going through the city of London that are specifically a certain height because the viewing corridors are mapped on View City and that's done. The challenge is how we bring that down to a local level. So getting all the local views in and, and things like that. But hypothetically and, and if you talk to kind of the major kind of tower developers and people in the city of London that is what they're already doing because all their developments are of that scale your, your bigger challenge is when we start to look at places like Leeds and Sheffield um, when we're working with them at the moment in Nottingham 
in terms of how do we create that 3D digital twin. We're, we're really going on a journey with our public sector partners to understand how this works. No one knows the right or wrong answer. That's why it's really important for SMEs to get involved in the debate. It is an interesting debate to be involved in. There's lots of opportunities to, to kind of make money for your business as well. Yeah, it, it, that makes that makes sense to me. And again, it always feels like, and we're big champions of the SMEs on this podcast and generally in our lives, aren't we, Liam? But you definitely don't want the SMEs to be excluded from the conversation, which has happened on many things, I guess. We're kind of a bit like the BIM conversation that we've been having separately, Liam, on previous episodes, where you do just feel like there's this whole thing happening without 90 plus percent of the sector having a voice. So I completely endorse what you're saying there, Piers. Is it the accessibility at the moment where the technology has its primary challenge? Is it difficult for SMEs to go and access it because they're priced out? Or where where do you see the primary challenge for the technology at the moment? I think the primary challenge in terms of engaging SMEs is that economies of scale is that it, it honestly makes more sense to tackle the issues around major applications where there's huge amounts of money being generated, which fund this sort of thing. There is really interesting moment you're seeing that coming out of MHCLG, so kind of central government on on housing and, and local communities, they're starting to put money into prop tech innovation. So they're funding money into specific projects around digitizing the planning system and allocating them out to authorities. So they're starting to do more. The honest answer is, is it is just people chasing the bigger fish when it comes to this like, this idea. But if you look at you know what you know the scale of Matterport now. Matterport is now scanning everything so most state agents will have a 3d tour of a house um, because it's reached a scale where it's scalable so, so if you look at i mean even with us we started obviously in london and manchester and, and those places but we are in woking guildford you know leeds sheffield nottingham bristol so the scale really doesn't add an interesting meeting last year with winchester council so yeah it really is a question of of just economies of scale it gets cheaper and more efficient for us to do this all the time. Um, the new technology means that you can, like I said, you know, there's new ways of doing this and there's ways to make it cost effective. Um, so the, the, the technology is there and clearly it's being rolled out in other sectors. It's on people's iPhones to do 3D, as you were saying, 3D visualization. But as a sector for us, for property and then eventually construction where it ends up, our challenge is pushing the, the the money is all on these bigger schemes with the bigger apps and that's where the money is at the moment so it's still not quite filtering down to the SMEs or, or or am I wrong there? I think on I mean from our side I mean a lot of our clients are SME businesses so if, okay. if you've got a specific so small you know four to five medium person practices we actually offer a small practice discount so if we're working with our clients we'll discount the cost to make sure we don't exclude them. Um, okay. So we're actively trying to make sure that your size of your business doesn't prohibit you from the discussion. We also do things like monthly licenses to try and encourage people just if they need to get engaged for a short amount of time, if they don't have a project that will last in essentially a year, they can jump in and use the platform for that. So it, we, we do do things to make sure that it does remain accessible to SMEs. But I think the other part is it's from a marketing point as well and, and where people see this going because no one has yet set rules of engagement on 3D visualization. So there's no clear government guidance as to how 3D visualization does apply at planning. But it means that, you know, the councils would much rather have this discussion on major applications as opposed to drag some poor person going for an extension. <laughs> 
yeah through, through well we've decided your house is the example of 3d modeling doesn't make any sense digital software. it would be a very unlucky individual that gets asked to uh, apply 3D visualization to yeah. their roofing no, and, absolutely. and uh, cover the cost. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, okay. uh, just, I was going to ask, just going back to the, the point you made about the kind of, you do have a SME customers. Um, so for a developer's perspective, is, is this something that they could, you know, sign up for themselves and use themselves or do they need a specialist they need someone really specialist to be able to use the, the software. No, it's it's used it's designed to be used by anyone. So I mean that's the nice thing. It is like a Sim City. You can go in if you want to create a big block massing and you can make yourself a little bit of a building and you can go in and this is where it is great. If you are just a developer or someone's got the cash, you could do your own little model, create a five story building. If you're looking at going from, you know, doing three or four houses to actually doing a, a scheme at your first apartment block. You don't need to appoint anyone. You could just do your little block mass and go into a pre-app meeting and say, I've created this model off my own back using the technology I've found available. It's cool, isn't it? Do you think hypothetically I could build a building this big in this site? Um, yes or no. And that would cost someone £500 to go and do that. So, you know, as a, as a developer, if you're thinking of going from a, a kind of houses and, and conversions into new build, actually it's something you could do and, and reduce the cost of having to do... Um, having to have a big consultant team is go into the council and say, look, this is what I'm thinking. Um, and this is the idea is it's to help people inclusively understand your idea. If you go and you go, look, I've done a lot of houses. This is, I want to build a big block like this. What could possibly go wrong? That's a really good way of, of showing someone. They go, oh, well, if you're building a block that big, there's actually a viewing corridor that you've never experienced doing houses go straight through your site. Or that block potentially could be four times higher because when you're doing big buildings, actually, that is how you assess it, and that's what we look at. So it's really useful as a kind of learning exercise as a small developer to have your own license and to go and test the ideas with the council and go. Well, and you've just... sold you've sold me. You've you've sold me, and also it's it just sounds like it would be a great tool and a cool tool to use, doesn't it? Liam, you love games, didn't you? Or you used to? Yeah, when I, mean, I was thinking, I've got a really solid sim city <laughs> background but we are going back 15 years so i don't know if that's worth it any developers out there give him a shout he's up he's up for doing it yeah. give it a go, give it a go. <laughs> worst, worst case we get more housing in the uk which is definitely yeah, which is a good thing so i'd say yeah, the sme developers want to throw as many models as they can you might get a bit creativity but also we want more people in the planning debate so if it makes if it makes you feel like you have an opinion that matters and and you want to truck around and have a look at it get in and, and have a look absolutely so we are almost at the end here Piers sadly I want us to imagine a world far away in the future where is 3d visualization going to be in five years and ten years how do you actually think it's where do you think it's taking us I think it's going to a place where we really understand what people are suggesting before they've had a chance to build it um, we've all had situations where we've walked and we're going to walk and we've gone, how the hell did someone build that or how did that happen? And the honest answer is it probably happened because we weren't paying enough attention. Or And, and you know, these, these are the great things is actually being able to see these ideas and, and the for word we use is sandbox environment. You know, cities are big sandboxes, you know, Victorians. There's lots of things that we've done with cities and also COVID, you know, we're trying to bring in COVID regulations and rules changing a city very quickly to react to an environment has been really difficult 
And what tends to happen is we tend to make the change. Then we collect loads of surveys. We count lots of data. We go, well, that was positive and that was negative. Now, the benefit of 3D visualization is run it in a video game, see if it's going to be a disaster, and then do it. That's that's the best the, the best use of this is to test your idea before you make us all suffer through it. And that's the you know that's the honest the, the, the message is to to hopefully have people to engage early, have a look at some of the ideas that are suggested, weigh up all the opinions, come up with the best solution for everyone, and that's what we want to see delivered at, at View City is the best possible city for all. I can I can I can see uh, I can see Liam's eyes lighting up here. He's no, I was going to ask his. Do you do theme parks? <laughs> <laughs> I used to we play can. that. Or hospitals. Yeah, we theme can. hospitals, theme park. Well, they were good games, weren't they, from back in the day? We can model theme parks, whatever. Whatever if you've got if you've got a good idea and you need to visualize it, we can probably visualize it. So, <laughs> uh, I think we should talk uh, after this. That is, that is <laughs> the challenge. <laughs> and on that note, guys, Piers, it's been amazing to have you on the show. Really, really fascinating episode. We'll be putting Piers' details and View City's details in the podcast description. All that's left to be said is say thank you so much for coming on, Piers. It's been great to have you on here. Thanks, guys. Good to see you, Piers. And Liam, thank you for everything that you do. I couldn't do uh, anything without you. It's been great, Paul. <laughs> Thanks. I feel great. Yeah, he's, he's still in good shape. That's all we can ask for. And listeners, we will speak to you next week. Have a good one.